Hello, boys and girls, and welcome to episode 161 of the Motorcycle Man Podcast. I am Ted, here in the V-Twin Cafe, in that corner booth. All right, thank you for tuning in, and of course, listening to the show, and of course, listening to all the Motorcycle Man episodes. We greatly appreciate that. And if you'd like to help out the show, you can go over to our website at MotorcycleMen.us, and there you can click on that Donate button. And if you'd like to help us out with a singular PayPal donation, you can do it right there. Another way you can help out is give us some feedback. Go over to iTunes and give us a rating. Doesn't matter what kind it is, just give us a rating so we can have something there. While you're at it, send us an email to motomenpc at gmail.com or go to our contacts page on the website and send us a note there. I read all of our email and I'll definitely comment on it during our next show. Uh, the Motorcycle Man podcast is brought to you by Surf and Summit Motorcycle, Maine and New Hampshire's newest motorcycle rental and tour company. Surf and Summit offers Harley Davidson Big Twins and Suzuki V Stroms for rent at reasonable prices. Surf and Summit is happy to deliver your rental bike wherever you are staying, or you can peruse the bikes in person down at Street Cycles of Falmouth, Maine. Surf and Summit also offers rental helmets, jackets, gloves, and GPS, so you'll have everything you need to enjoy a great New England riding vacation. From the beautifully rugged coast of Maine to the amazing White Mountains of New Hampshire, Surf and Summit can help you have a fantastic motorcycling vacation. For more information, please visit surfandsummitmotorcycle.com. And don't forget to visit our, your local cycle gear for all of your motorcycle needs from clothing to parts. Cycle Gear is your premier one-stop shopping location with 136 stores nationwide. You are bound to find a store near you that can help you find what you are looking for, and you can trust you will be getting great pricing and, of course, top-notch customer care. And if you're in New Jersey area, be sure you stop in at the Edison store and see Chainsaw Ginny or Sean and tell them that the motorcycle men sent you. So go to CycleGear.com today. And finally, for the best in motorcycle jeans, there's only one place you should be going, and that is Tobacco Motorwear Company. Dave and the crew over there are making great motorcycle riding jeans that will outperform that ratty old pair you've been wearing and most other brands available. And not only do they perform well, but they are also the best-looking and the most comfortable selvage jeans you will ever wear or own. And for further protection and style, get yourself a California riding shirt, too. It's comfortable, safe, and it looks absolutely stunning. I wear a pair of motor tobacco motorcycle riding jeans and the California riding shirt, and so does Chris, the Joker, here on the Motorcycle Men podcast. In fact, this past weekend, we were both out riding. We were wearing our California riding shirts. They feel good, they look great, and they give us that extra protection we need when we're riding. Tobacco Motorwear Company. Visit them at TobaccoMotorwear.com and tell Dave that the Motorcycle Men sent you. Use that coupon code MOTORCYCLEMEN when ordering. Now, thanks to the wonders of YouTube and the availability of multiple blogs out there, uh, we have an endless supply of motorcycle-related information literally at our fingertips 24-7. And while some of these videos and blogs can be just a documentation of a motorcycle trip or blogs about nearly any motorcycle-related topic, uh, others may be funny accounts of some trip or maybe a maintenance procedure. And of course, there are others that are produced to give us uh, product reviews. And while some are from many motorcycle blogs or vloggers, some are from of our favorite online retailers. In fact, one in particular has given us a personality that we look forward to hearing from. And my guest today, much like Sting and Madonna, is a superstar that goes by one name. 
One hint. It's not the lead singer of Motorhead. All right, joining me now here in the V-Twin Cafe, here in the corner booth, all the way from Philadelphia, the one and only, you know him and you love him as a writer, commentator, and video blogger dude with that company called, that little company called Revzilla. Ladies and gentlemen, Lemmy. Lemmy, welcome to the hey. Motorcycle Men Podcast. How's it going, man? Groovy. How you been? I'm okay. I'm okay. I like that intro. You said know him and love him. I like how you coupled that up together. I think 50% of that's a guarantee, but, you know, I'll take you smushing it together. Well, you know, is <laughs> I like to butter up all of my guests as much as possible so they enjoy themselves. That's the Treat point. me like a biscuit, baby. That's Slap it. that butter on there. <laughs> <laughs> this conversation can take a totally different route with that tone. Like right now, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what kind of podcast this is going to be, but hey, uh, hey, you know what? Everything it, evolves. We're just going to let it roll. That's what we're going to do. So we had somewhat of a, I guess I'll use the word auspicious uh, beginning in our original <laughs> meeting. Uh, you had wrote, uh, wrote, writ, written, wrote, wrote it, wrote it. We'll use wrote it. You write it a, 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 a an article, uh, why things the way they are, which is apparently a series that you have. And the article was, Why Harleys Leak? And I read the article, and I was like, God damn it, my Harley doesn't leak? What the hell is this guy talking about? Now, I've read a lot of your stuff, and I, I was always very entertained. And this one, like, I don't want it didn't piss me off, but I was like, God damn it, Harley's having a hard time enough as it is. So I commented on it, and you and I went back and forth for what seemed like days. So, <laughs> And then eventually just said, like, well, screw it, let's have the guy on. Uh, well, so I was going to say, that's actually, that marks the first time. Look, I have my fair share of pissed off commenters. Look, uh, when you're writing op-ed stuff on the internet, that's, that's going to happen. So I'm, I'm pretty used to that. But this would be the first time I've ever gone from a, a, a pissed off commenter to a, to a podcast invitation. That's definitely a first for me. So I thought that was pretty interesting. I also thought it was funny, too, that you were commenting on something that I wrote like two years ago. I really, you were no very kidding. mad over, over a very old article. You know, it's funny because I, I and the thing is, I don't know why, but it popped up in my feed like recently. And I was like, I, what the hell? So I, I, so I read it and I was like, okay, well, let's get into it. But it's funny because you had later commented that you enjoy writing your articles with a, um, a, you used the word, which I really appreciated, which incendiary title. Uh, yeah, incendiary, I think, is a, <laughs> is a good word. I mean, <laughs> so I'm going to try, I'm going to try and like, I'm going to try and balance the reality with, uh, you, you know, with sort of, I guess, uh, well, just reality. I'm going to try and balance reality out there. You know, in the days of the motorcycle magazines, it was understood that, that like there was this implied contract that the reader wanted to read whatever the writer had written. Well, that was all fine and good because somebody was coughing over money for a motorcycle magazine. Well, nowadays, in the days of the internet and all the content is free, there, no such contract exists. I, half the people, I think, read the articles because they want to yell at me and tell me I'm an idiot, which is perfectly <laughs> acceptable. I don't know. But if you that. let people know you're an idiot right in the title, it just, you know, it opens the door. Come on in. <laughs> oh, yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> okay. But, you know, that's, what, that's it's kind of the same thing with doing a podcast. Uh, I okay, know, exactly. I know I, a lot of the crap that I say is total crap. I am aware of that. And it, it's, <laughs> its entire intent is to get a response. And it well, works every time. 
Well, I tried to tick people off. I, I think the, the my goal was to generally say something a little bit absurd and then actually do this crazy thing that nobody else on the Internet does, but actually like back it up with some facts and some substance. Oh, see, I don't do so, that. I totally don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like when I wrote that article, I mean, I, 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 I don't want to say it's a... I don't want to say it's the best piece ever, but I think that there are some good, solid reasons in there why a, a properly functioning Harley Davidson can and does leak. Well, you know the thing is that what, like I said, you you explained it very well, uh, and and that what the part of the the great thing about what you're writing though is you know what you're talking about. Which, I, I've been guessing, actually. I've been <laughs> guessing. It's been very good guesses. I've gotten very. I've had. A, I've been on a streak. Well, you know what? Your guessing uh, is very convincing. I will say you that. I like to think of myself as the dumbest version of Kevin Cameron who could get a job. <laughs> <laughs> that's you know. That's what it is. Like if Kevin Cameron suffered a traumatic brain injury, I would like to think that he'd be somewhere around where I'm at. <laughs> Wow, I, I say I don't know. Is that talking yourself down or talking yourself up? I, I don't. I'm not sure. Because <laughs> it depends how traumatic the brain injury was. <laughs> I suppose. So let's tell you what. Just for for the sake of our listeners uh, who may yep. not have read, let's briefly hit this article, where in which you say why Harley's leak. Totally. Okay. Um, I mean, I can, I can I can sum this whole thing up for you pretty quickly. Okay. Depending on what era your Harley Davidson is from up to and including the modern era, um, some it, somewhere between an atrocious amount of oil and a very little bit of oil will naturally make its way out of your Harley-Davidson, and that is not cause for alarm. Now, is it, now, is it meant to leave the engine at a specific point, or is it pretty much any orifice that's available? Uh, well, I mean, they're, they're, meant to, they're meant to exit at a specific point, uh, that having been said, if those specific points are <laughs> spoken for or, or blocked, <laughs> oil and pressure will find their way out of every crevice oh, yeah. of the motor. Um, but for, for the most part, I mean, I don't know that a lot of people realize that, that the, you know, especially in the time period, um, really when, when, you know, Harley and Davidson were putting these bikes together, um, you know, common practice of the day was to take the used motor oil and barf it onto the ground. That was, that was, that was standard practice for agricultural machinery it was standard uh it was standard on automobiles really right up to the 50s they had road draft tubes um it, you know it's 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 not it's not out of the question even though it's unthinkable now that, that we would just run down the, the road you know dropping oil out of our bikes in in copious amounts you know way back when that was that was not seen as a problem especially when you consider too right up through really world war ii many of the roads in our country weren't paved so when you consider the fact they were dirt actually having a little oil going down on them kind of helped keep the dust down uh-huh. well can, can you think about it if you look at our roadways which many of where were all concrete through the uh, 40s and 50s you see that center black stripe on every single lane everywhere you go Mm-hmm. So, yep. And this is why yeah. we're told when we ride our motorcycles, you want to stay out of the middle of the lane. Um, in fairness, I feel like that that center strip has gotten better and better over the years. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> as, oh my god! As yes. everything on the roadway is is more and more oil tight, that that center strip is less and less dangerous. I right. feel like with each kind of each passing day, which is kind of amazing too, when you consider the amount of traffic on the roadways has done nothing but go up. Oh, sure. Kind of a kind of a kind of a testament to the gasketing and sealing industries in the uh, in the automotive and motorcycle world. Sure. 
I mean, when you think about it, that Harley Davidsons in the beginning were specifically designed to leak. That was their intent. Well, yeah, it's weird. And you don't, yeah, it's well. I think it helps too if you don't think of it as a leak. Um, you know, the the engineers knew that there was a certain amount of, of blow by and oily mist that was going to make its way out of the motorcycle. And, you know, they actually augmented some of that with a, with a little more fluid oil. And the idea wasn't so much uh, to leak. It was more of, uh, it was planned lubrication. Um, you know, these were in the days when splash lubrication inside of a motor was perfectly acceptable. Um, if you think about this as it, it, just in terms of planned lubrication, it makes a lot more sense. I mean, I was kind of laughed uh, when you, I'm sure you're familiar with the product Scott Oilers. Mm-hmm. It's a great product. It's awesome. It's a controlled leak. It is a it, you're putting an oil leak onto your motorcycle. You're installing a little thing that drips oil all over your chain. It's literally exactly what Harley Davidson did all those many years ago. I don't have any problem with the product. It's a great idea. I just think it's funny that I'm pretty sure there are some people out there who bought a Scott Oiler who are the same people who will hitch up their drawers and be like, Dad, I never owned a Harley and things leak. <laughs> oh, wow. So now this was called known as a total loss system. Uh, well, so t- total loss, uh, total loss ha- has to do really with whether or not there was any attempt to recover that oil. Now, regardless of whether we're talking total loss, which for the overhead valves was pre-36 and for the flatheads was pre-37, um, regardless of whether you're talking about that or not, even, even after they went to, you know, recirculating oil, uh, still a fair amount of it was intended to be lost. That's just, it just, that just boggles my mind. You know, we're going to build a product here that is intentionally going to leak oil. It's not leaking oil. It's, inten- it's, it's, it's intentionally it's, it's, designed it's, it's, yeah. to keep your, to keep your motorcycle lubricated. If you think about it, if you think about it in terms of lubrication rather than leak, it makes a whole lot more sense. Right. I think I think for a lot of people too, the the the, the, <laughs> the struggle to get over this sort of the 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 um you know the sticking point is a psychological one. If you understand why the oil is dripping from the place it is dripping, and you understand that it's been planned into into the bike, and it's actually saving some of your parts that need lubrication because it's lubricating them, mm-hmm. it makes perfect sense, and you can sleep easy at night. Um, you know, if I see an older Harley Davidson, I don't see a fifty cent size piece on you know spot of oil under the primary. I get a little nervous. Well, what's what's lubricating that that primary right now? I know it's not swimming in a bath of sealed oil. It needs oil dripped onto it. If you don't understand that that is sort of how these things work, mm-hmm. then yeah, yeah, I can understand why it causes great consternation to you. Your your motorcycle is just peeing fluid everywhere. Ah, uh-huh. so now, how long did this practice continue? Well, so yeah, I kind of went through this in the article, but I mean, I, I would say really up through the shovelhead era for sure, um, in terms of using you know using the uh, crankcase blowby sort of as chain lubricant for both the primary as well as the um, as well as the final drive chain. Um, however, if you go a little bit later, go into the evolution years or even the twin cam years. Um, you'll see that they they actually vent up into the the, crank, the crankcase vent rather than just being you know open to atmosphere or perhaps puking onto the chain. Uh, now is routed up into the air cleaner, and um, it doesn't really serve a purpose there. Oh, <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. you, you probably you probably don't want to be sucking oil in through your carburetor. It's not going to hurt anything. It's just going to you know carbon up pistons occasionally. Blah blah blah, whatever. But um, you know it's funny. I think uh, you know because it's not seen by a lot of people. Um, you know, oftentimes the engine sucks it in before it becomes a problem. Yeah, people think they don't leak, but if you pop your air cleaner off, you'll find oily residue on just about every Harley. You know, on the it's road. funny you should say that though, because when I had my '94 uh, uh, Sportster, I can remember times when I would change the uh, the air cleaner, it would be oily. I'm going like, well, why is this happening? And then was that happening? Be, yep. 
Yeah, then there'd be times where I would I would get like a fall. I, I call it a false start, for lack of a better word. It would start to kick over, and then it would pop. And but it would pop through yep, the carburetor, like right? It would <laughs> pop through the carburetor, and then I'd smell oil. I go like, "What was that?" And then it would start up and run normally. So, well, that was. I mean, the, the pop you're hearing is probably just a just a plain old backfire through yeah, the carb. Exactly. But the reason you're smelling the oil though is because that pushed through your saturated, you know, air filter. Your right. air filter saturated some oil, and that's that's what you're smelling. Yeah. Um, but it's it's you know that, that's perfect perfectly functioning i mean it's funny harley's not the only manufacturer to do this i mean there are plenty of other brands you know that are that are venting crankcase oil to the uh to the air cleaner and that's and it's fine and dandy it, it you know it, it works fine it's just a very noticeable on a harley davidson simply because of the engine configuration you know most of these bikes will have an air box you know kind of buried somewhere yeah. but with harley you know being a being a transversely mounted v engine that air cleaner is just always hung right off the side so if it's dripping any oil it's unbelievably noticeable i find I find it funny that you say that, that all bikes kind of do this, and yet sure. Harley-Davidson's are the ones that get pointed out the most. I think I think part of that is that people feel a duty to mention it. <laughs> I, think part, I think I think part of that might also occur because I mean it's it's extra you know again I kind of talk about this in the article a bit but it's extra easy for that to happen um, for Harley. There's lots and lots of blow by. You've got these two great big pistons moving up and down at almost the exact same time. Um, you know, there's there's just great opportunity on a narrow angle V twin for uh, for this to occur, you know, between that and, and a good amount of blow by, it's, it's easy for this to happen. Um, and that's just a, a function of the engine design. And I mean, there's a million different ways you could look at this from an engineering perspective and talk about how a common crank pin narrow angle V twin is just like an exercise in engineering problems. Um, you know, but if I think if everybody who was riding a Harley was interested in the latest and greatest, well, they yeah. probably wouldn't ride a Harley. You know, there's, there's a, an element of tradition and uh, that I think is important there. And then there's you know there's also just characteristics of a narrow angle V that you're not going to get with another uh, engine layout. And I you know I think the people who don't get that are probably not going to get it. And then they hear they leak on top of it. They're like, yeah, fuck these things. These suck. <laughs> well, and now do you think it's like this is more of a trait with the pushrod like uh, engines that Harley Davidson is known for? Uh, I wouldn't say, I, w I wouldn't say the method of valve actuation has anything to do with it. I think you'd have the same problem if these were overhead cam. Um, I think it's more the more the layout of the pistons, uh, you know, and, and the obviously the the crank as well. Um, I don't I don't think that switching to an overhead cam design would would necessarily fix it. It's just the fact that these are huge motors with only two cylinders, which isn't helping, and there you know there's uh, there's a very rapid fluctuation in um, you know, in crankcase pressure. Mm -hmm. And then there's also, uh, you know, there's there's also lots and lots of blow-by as well, again, because of the size of these great big pistons. All of these things are contributing um, to the, to the you know, sort of the, the oil finding its way out. You know, on multi-cylinder engines, you still have the exact same problem. The only thing is you've got, you know, sort of things are firing a little bit more evenly spaced. And then you've also got, you know, smaller, you know, each cylinder is generally speaking a little bit smaller than a, than a Harley's, you know, slug. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's not nearly as noticeable. Again, couple that up with the fact that you've usually got an airbox buried somewhere in the bike. And yeah, it makes it seem like other bikes don't ever leak. Um, if you look too at the bottom of a, of many, many other motorcycles, you'll see drain tubes. 
And oftentimes those drain tubes are plugged and you have to go from time to time and empty out the drain tube and they smell terrible. And it, you know, you leach water and oily gunk and goop and whatever. And it's, they're, they're there. They're just not leaking on the ground. They just happen to leave it in a plugged tube until you get around emptying it out. Ah. Happens. Now, did this, did this, uh, I'll, I'm not used, I'll use the word condition. Did this improve uh, with the evolution engine and as they got away from carbureted and into fuel injected? So I don't know if the carburation and fuel injection had too much to do with it, but I mean, I would say with every generation uh, of new motor, Harley found a way to make them more oil tight. So, you know, I think a lot of people have read that article. Well, my, my Harley doesn't leak. Yeah, at this point, I mean, they, they don't really leak that much. Um, uh, you know, they've, they've found great ways to make the breather systems work well. Um, they've, they've done well with oil routing and scavenging. I mean, they've gotten better every single time. Plus, there's... You know, when you consider, too, uh, the dry sump aspect of things, Harley's gotten very close to having wet sumps. You know, if you look at a, a Dyna or a modern-day really? touring bike, well, they're, I mean, it, instead of having this oil bag that's sitting up underneath your keister that's, you know, 18 inches away from the oil pump, now they're, you know, they're, when you put the oil bag down below and you don't give gravity an advantage, well, yeah, it's a lot harder for them to leak onto the ground. That's that's for sure. Yeah. I think part of the Harley leaking thing is also the dry sump thing, which has nothing to do with with what we just talked about with blow by and such. But if you, the fact of the matter is, if you take three four quarts of oil and you suspend it 18 inches above the area it's going to, and you do nothing to stop it except use a little tiny BB and hope that everything doesn't leak by it, well, <laughs> you are going at some point to be sadly sadly disappointed when all of your oil winds up in your crankcases and when you go to kick it over or you hit the starter. You know, the scavenger pump's going to try and keep up. It's going to get overwhelmed, and you're going to see all that oil flow out of the breather, and that's totally normal. Anybody who's had a, you know, a Harley for any period of time and let it sit, you know, especially over winter, I think that's something we're all probably somewhat familiar with. Let that thing no, sit over not, winter, and if you not, have even not in the Northeast, we don't we don't let our bikes sit. <laughs> right, but I mean, you, you let one of these things sit, and and that's what happens. Oil just gets by that the little check ball. You know, it's funny people. You know, there were a lot of comments in the article, and people said, "Well, you know, they can engineer around that. Sure, they can they can do better, and they, and they have actually." Mm-hmm. Um, but I think for a lot of people too, that that wasn't like a huge deal. You know, like for me, when I'm when I'm taking one of my old sleds out and it's been sitting over the winter, or whatever. It doesn't really bother me that much to walk over, grab the oil drain pan, kick it over, let it barf up half a quart of oil once it gets running, you know, and that's that. And then it's like fine for the rest of the season. Um, you know, that's just that, that that's that's very normal for me. I understand how the system works. I understand that's the easiest you know way to deal with it, uh, and that's that. I don't know that everyone else has such positive feelings about it. <laughs> well, now the Milwaukee Eight, and you think they they have solved this issue with the Milwaukee Eight? Um, you know, I'll even rewind you one further. I mean, go back to the twin cam, depending on which iteration we're talking about. Again, because some of these were dry sum, some of them were, uh, I mean, they're all dry sum, but some of them are much closer to a, a wet sum, just based on the location of the oil, oil bag. Um, I would say this problem has been more or less licked. Um, you, you know, unless you go monkey with things. For instance, we have a sports to put together. I want to put a tiny little air cleaner on it here. So I ripped off there, you know, big football air cleaner does a wonderful job hiding all that oily mess and put in just a pair of little, you know, basically just breather screens that just popped into the heads. Yeah. And, you know, when you're riding that bike, if it's hot or if it's a little overfall on oil, I mean, it's going to puke oil all over your right pant leg. 
is that <laughs> is that Harley's fault? Like they designed something to deal with that, and then I took it off the bike. Like you can't really blame them for that. So I would say it's it's kind of a non-issue. I mean, if you have a modern bike, it's not like it's going to be barfing oil everywhere. Yeah, They've gotten exactly. better and better as the years have gone on. So yeah, if you're going to go run out and you're going to buy yourself a knucklehead, you may be a little bit alarmed at how much oil. <laughs> comes out of that motorcycle rather than stays in it. But I, I don't think most people are doing it. Most people are going to buy a bike of fairly recent vintage. And, yeah. you know, they're, they're no more difficult to deal with than any other make of motorcycle, if you ask me. Yeah, do you have a favorite uh, Harley engine? Oh, man, that's a good question. I got a lot of favorite Harley engines. Yeah. Um, I like... I you mean, strike, me, you strike me as a knuckle guy. I, I'm all right. I'm all right with knuckleheads. Knuckleheads and I do all right. Um, they are, man. They've gotten pricey over the years. Yeah. <laughs> Those things are expensive. Um, I like I like quite a bit of them. I got to be honest. I'm, you know, and I'm, I'm going to sound probably like a fanboy, and it's not really my intent. But like one of the things I'm most looking forward to, to be honest, is is are, are these new engines. They're they're sticking in uh, some of the bikes coming up. Yeah, we're gonna I, get I to love that. The, I love the old. I, yeah, I love the old stuff. I mean, I've got a, a bundle of old Harley iron in my own garage, um, you know, but it would be pretty cool to ride a Harley and whoop somebody's ass. I mean, <laughs> I'm not old <laughs> enough to have ever done that. <laughs> it would be it would be kind of nice to do that on one of these new new machines they're putting out, though. Now, I'm a huge fan of the Evo. I love the Evo. So, the ev- yeah, well, I always joke around. The Evolution, I guess, is the best, it's the best shovel Harley ever made. Um, <laughs> I... I have love and hate. Uh, I have kind of a simultaneous love and hate affair with the Evolution. Really? Um, there are a couple of little quirks and foibles about them. Like whenever I have one, I want to want to replace that inner cam bearing. Uh, that's a huge problem. I'll go back to the shovel style. That Tarrington B138 is nice. Um, I don't like the plastic breather gear they use. I always swap those out for a for a steel. Um, but for me, the biggest problem, and I'm going to say problem, it's not really a problem unless you're hot rod anything. But the biggest limitation or drawback to the shovel was that that is the only big twin engine Harley ever made that never changed displacement. Mm-hmm. And the reason is that the, the cases are really kind of bored as far as they can go. If you bore those cases any further, the spigots get real thin. And, and even in stock form, they had a problem with the, um, the head studs pulling uh, near where, you know, right behind the lifter blocks. Um, it, I've seen them come out before. I've had, I've had my own bikes, you know, sort of puke that area out simply because the studs aren't put into very much meat. If you look at any of the aftermarket cases, check out, you know, Belcrons or SNSs or, you know, whatever, you'll see that they've really beefed them up in that area, A, to accept the big bore, but B, because there just wasn't enough meat there um, originally. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, on, a, on a personal note, I, I kind of, I understand the benefits of having heads and jugs and cases all made of the same material. Um, but I am a really big fan of shove, the shovel style setup, where the heads bolt to the jugs and the jugs bolt to the case. Um, it it allows a little bit. It, it, it makes it a little bit easier to work on on things if you have to pull the heads. It also means you can pull the heads without disturbing, you know, base gaskets and things underneath the heads. So, wow, I, I do like the Evolution. I've had quite a few of them. I, I, I they're they're great motors. Um, but I think it's like every other Harley, especially the older ones, you know, they all have sort of their own little peccadilloes that need to be sort of repaired to, to really, if you really want to beat on them. Well, you got you got to wonder now, they must have done something right because it's an engine that they've been using for 30 years. Uh, the Evo. Yeah, the Evo. About. Yeah, the Evo, yeah. Well, I mean, Harley didn't use it for 30 years. Oh, well, they had them in, right? uh, well, uh, I think they came out 80, in 80, 84 to 84. 
Yeah, yeah eighty four to ninety nine. Oh, are you t- are you talking? I'm sorry. Are you talking Sports Street? Are you talking the, the little Evo? Or are you talking the, the big twenty? Evo? Oh, the little Evo. Okay, the little. Okay, I'm sorry. I was I was talking big twin. Um, yeah, the, the Sports Revolution is also a, a cool motor. I'm I'm uh, I'm kind of partial to. I haven't owned one. I would, if I was getting one, I would probably look for something 03 and earlier. Um, you know, getting rid of that tranny trapdoor is, to me, maybe not the best decision. Um, I'm, I'm also kind of, I'm sort of partial to, you know, solid mount motors. Um, but yeah, it, it is, it's a great motor. It's very versatile. And in some ways, much, uh, you know, it's, it's that, that, you have to consider almost that, that, engine with the bike that it resides in too yeah. um i'm sure you and all, all of the people listening have seen all manners of cool sports there's choppers mm-hmm. you know uh cafes i've seen sport versions there's a uh, hugo moto they're doing those dual sportsters i mean yep. there are there as for as many different ideas uh, there are out there there's somebody who has executed it beautifully with a sportster um which to me just, just speaks sort of volumes about the you know the flexibility i think of the of the platform as a whole oh yeah absolutely um speaking of uh platforms uh do you want to talk about the some new bikes no no i don't want to talk about any of that <laughs> <laughs> sure. yeah i'd love to so I, uh, uh so harley announced uh it's been almost two weeks now that they've announced that they're I don't know if it's an official announcement. They kind of just sort of like threw this video out with a couple pictures and and said, well, you know, they didn't really say anything like, look, look, this, look what we're going to do. You know, they really didn't announce it. I well, they had, I mean, in fairness, they had a press release. Yeah. So I would, I would, I would call that an announcement. All right. So uh, do we, do we need do we need to like recap what happened here for all your listeners? Yeah, I mean, sure. Let's let's do it. Honestly, honestly, if they're, if they're listening to this to this if you're listening to your show and they haven't heard this, I'm kind of wondering where the priorities are. (laughs) Um, But yeah, you know, Harley just came out really, they kind of announced uh, intent to compete in some segments. They've previously not even come near. They had a a street fighter. They had a, you know, a kind of a a custom looking, I would say like sort of a, a low, like street kind of brawler looking thing. Um, They also had a legitimate street fighter. Um, they had an adventure bike, and then they had kind of a mess of electric bikes. Um, and it looked like the electric bikes, they had one that was, you know, definitely solid and going to hit the market. And they also had kind of trotted out some some what looked like conceptual sketches. Yeah, some concepts, yeah. Um, right, and I think those are, you know, some of those are meant for other markets. But I think it's uh, just judging by how many things they, they sort of showed us photos of or, or, or sketches of, um, one would have to think it sounds like they're going to play pretty heavily in the electric game, too, and, and have maybe a few different models by the looks of things. Mm-hmm. Which one are you more excited about? Oh, the Street Fighter, easily. Really? No kidding. Oh, can't wait to get on one of those. So that It's probably it's probably a split between that and the uh, and the Pan America, but the, the Street Fighter is, oh, man. that. So, and specifically, I can kind of give you a little, a little history of my excitement here. Um, when they came out with the street rod, I was pretty stoked on that. No, wait I mean, the street rod, like the, street rod, V rod version or street rod? No, no, the street, street rod seven fifty. Oh, okay, all right. Um, you know, it seemed like they made the mill hotter. Um, they had, you know, they had genuine performance rubber on the bike. You know, they had seventeen inch wheel size, it means you should be able to get you know sport bike tire sizes. Uh, I'm pretty sure that bike had dual discs. I think it had an upside down front end. Like there were a lot of things here that said performance to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I got on one, and it was not—it was not disappointing. I, I, the, the bike was a big step forward uh, for Harley. Um, I, I could have used 
more of everything. It was like all the knobs were turned to seven. And I would have liked them all <laughs> yeah. to eleven. I would have liked more motor. I would have liked more brakes. I would have liked more tire. I would have liked more, just just more. Um, but I felt I thought it was a good it was a good first effort, especially considering the price they were they were competing at. The the problem I think they had is they went into an intensely competitive segment. I mean, this is a segment where where Japan Inc has been kicking ass for years. Um, not only do they build those bikes very well, but they build them very affordably. Yeah. Um, you know, like when you consider just just uh, you know, fuck for your buck for be- for lack of a better term. <laughs> I mean, they're really you know you can get a, a really great bike for really short money, and Harley kind of waited in. Uh, you know, I, I felt like they were kind of a you know a, uh, they were just waiting into piranha infested waters. Well, and, you know, they. You know, I I think. The, at the price point, but they introduced it at there. You're also they're they're forcing the consumer to also pay for their R and D. Uh, to some to some degree or another, I think that's that's fair. To some degree or another, I'd say it's not a hundred percent. You know, I mean, at some point, like they have to actually send a product. Yeah. You know, they have to put it out into the market. But I, I like the bike. I I mean, I had some. I, I wrestled with the ergonomics on it, and I know I wasn't the only person who did. Um. It was neat, and when I was talking to them too, I just remember, you know, kind of they had the 750 engine, right? And it was, you know, they went from, I think it was, and I'm I'm totally just kind of eyeballing this, but I think they went from like 60 to like 75 horsepower. And for me, it was like, okay, this is good, this is better for sure than your average sportster, but like, can we can we get you can get more out of this? It's a, you know, it's an overhead cam 750, like I, it's liquid cooled. Like I know you guys can get more out of this, and they were all kind of mum on it. I'm sure there were a couple people there who must have known that this was coming down the pike. Um, but, you know, I was, I was jazzed about that bike, but I look at, you know, I look at the one, the street fighter they just brought out. And to me, that improves in a lot of, in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, I wrote a, I wrote a little article on it and I, there were a couple things that I pointed out. Um, you know, if you look at this thing, first off, you can see cutouts in the tank for your knees. And I, I don't, have you, have you ridden a sport bike ever? Uh, no, I have not. I can honestly say I've sat on plenty, but I've never ridden one. So you got to ride one of these things. They're fast. They're fun. I mean, they, they blow the doors off of Harley Davidson. Um, generally, I'm saying that now, and of course, that, well, that won't be true as of next model year. But, um, <laughs> y- you know, you're kind of molded into the bike, and, and, and many times the best way to control the bike, believe it or not, is by digging your knees into the tank oh, sure. to kind of force the bike to do what you need it to do. Well, on the street rod, that was very difficult because the the, the tank that was placed on there was just very very wide i mean i kind of made the joke i felt like i felt like i should have been expecting a speculum after i jumped onto that bike um which uh, i'm sure i'm sure harley's gonna love that um but the ergonomics weren't you know they just weren't tailored to uh, riding quickly The, the tank was very short you know like my knees actually came up higher than the tank it was it was it was just very odd in terms of ergonomics. But I look at this this bike they've just rolled out. The ergonomics on it look exactly like what I would expect. The exhaust is out of the way of your feet. Um, you know, I see good tank cutouts here. Like this thing looks like a bike that you could probably ride pretty quickly in factory form. You know, looking at it again, I saw um, it was interesting. They had Brembo branded uh, yeah. calipers on the front, which is you know Harley's used Brembos for a long time. They've never uh, left branding on there, and I don't know if that'll carry through to production models, but. You know, that was pretty crazy. I mean, these are, you know, radially mounted calibers. This is like real sport bike stuff. Um, 
you know, uh, this, this bike just seemed to, you know, I see dual overhead cam instead of single, which is, you know, uh, looks awesome. Uh, the thing has real rubber on it. Like, if it comes out of the factory, if they're planning on using these same Michelin Power Pilot 2CTs, if that's what they're going to send them out of the factory, if this thing has got, like, legitimate sport rubber on it. Like, it, it looks like they didn't just kind of, you know, half-ass it. It looks like they went whole hog, and they were like, okay, if we're going to build something that's going to compete, then it's got to compete. Well, you know, they, uh, they're so introducing uh, also, I think, four or five new uh, engine platforms with this as well. So now they're throwing right. this, uh, what was it, a 970 or 975 or something like that into this? Yeah, they. Had a, I think they had, a, yeah, I want to say it was four four sizes from... Here it is, yeah. It's a 500, of course, the 1250, but they're going... The yeah, 9, 5 se- to 1250. The, the 975, 975 is going in Street Fighter, but then they're throwing in a... Yeah, it was the 500, it was 750, the 975, 1,000, and then 1,250. That's right. Yeah. So um, this is uh, this is going to be a totally thing right off the block. This is totally new. Uh, I'm just curious of what kind of what kind of output we're going to be getting out of this thing and everything. You know, we don't because we don't know nothing. Well, yeah, I was going to say it really depends. Kind of, we'll have to see some. I think we'd really have to see more specs in the motor to kind of. To get to get anything else out of it, but I mean, I, I'm just, I mean, just just on face value, I think if you if you brought in a 975cc dual overhead cam, you know, twin, I, I can't imagine that being less than 100 horsepower. I'd be pretty surprised. And given that it is going to be a twin, granted, not quite as narrow an angle as the air cooled stuff, um, I still would imagine torque would be pretty pretty beefy on this thing. Yeah, so uh, you're pretty, you're pretty jazzed about this one, huh? I, I, I think that it, it'll, again, it doesn't have to be the fastest bike ever, but it does have to be fast enough that a good rider can, can whack somebody's ass on a different bike. Right. I don't, I don't know if the street rod quite got everybody there. Like, yeah, you could, you could probably beat somebody in a, a street rod, depending on what it was you were running up against. But I think this is one of those things where this is a bike, I think, that will hold its own with other items in its class. Yeah. Well, the thing is uh, also know, again, again, if if it's all right, like I'm I'm looking at just what I'm looking at from my picture here. Of course, so, that's what everybody's uh, you know. doing. Yeah. Exactly. But I mean, just just sort of putting some of the clues together. There are a lot of things here that make me say, like, okay, this this thing should rip. Right now, of course, we're all all these new platforms are all water cooled, so that's going to mean a higher revving engine. Um, you know, I don't know. That, uh, I don't know if you mean higher revving necessarily. I think. I think sort of in a roundabout way it means that you know with liquid cooling i think you, could, you know with a more precise temperature you can control a lot of things i mean you can you know obviously blow by like we were talking about before obviously that's going to be you know much easier to control it's going to make emissions easier to control simply because you don't have to account for you know all of the the temperature swing back and forth um i think you're you know the liquid cooling is, is obviously going to be beneficial it's going to keep head temps down it's going it, it, it's going to help these things perform i think uh you know kind of it's very funny i think a lot of people were ticked off that harley killed off the v-rod i definitely oh i know i am whining and gnashing. but the funny part is i think that a lot of people don't realize if you kind of step back and think about how harley went went about things um porsche is a brand that has diehard loyalists i would say probably in that sense very similar to harley, uh, harley owners and if you recall porsches were air-cooled for a very long time Ooh. Uh, and Porsche made the switch to liquid cooling. They had to. There was there was no way they were going to continue to meet emissions with uh, an air cooled engine. They made this jump 
Right. And they kept all their loyalists. I mean, I, th- I think there are the, there's obviously the dedicated Porsche people who want only the air-cooled stuff. But for the most part, I don't think Porsche saw any type of sales problem because they went to liquid cooling. And I don't think it's an accident that Harley hooked up with that company. I mean, I, I, you know, they, 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 Porsche effectively did exactly what Harley knew they needed to do. Um, you know, so if you look at the V-Rod sort of as like their jumping-off point, sort of their, their, their I guess their... their call it tuition for lack of a better term <laughs> the fact they hooked up with porsche i think makes perfect sense and rather than see the v-rod as ending i think you could kind of in another vein sort of view the v-rod as the, the jumping off point at the beginning yeah well do you think like the v-rod and perhaps even the street rod was a test bed for what's coming of course so of course i mean all, all that was was test test bed stuff the you know it's funny my, my only complaint really with the v-rod uh man what what a lovely Lovely motor. Have you ridden one of those? Oh, you know that's that V Rod has been my passion for years. I've ridden it uh, quite a few times. Love that bike. Yeah, lots of oomph. I mean, th- th- that was a really great drivetrain stuffed into a really compromised chassis. <laughs> like, yeah, it was. It, it wasn't the worst thing ever. But I mean, if you if you had put that into a more conventional uh, roller, so to speak. Um, man, you could have hauled the mail on one of those things. Boy, I think it was a, uh, it was a so, rocket ship. I thought. Yeah, very, very quick, and I think they could have been. You could have ridden one quicker had the chassis been more accommodating. And when I look at the Street Fighter, I sort of see a more accommodating chassis with a motor that's again not quite as big, but I'm I'd be willing to trade off a couple hundred CCs for. Uh, a chassis that will let me hustle that bike a lot faster, a wheelbase that's much shorter, uh, you know, uh, a pair of tires that's m- much more inclined to let you lean the thing over. Yeah, well, you're going to have to wait till 2020 to see this. Uh, well, yeah. Maybe, well, well, maybe the next fall. I was going to say, there are 20 models, which means, yeah, they'll probably be released at Harley's dealer show, third week of August in 19, would be my, my guess. But, you know, Harley also does a thing, too, where they'll trickle a model out every now and then in between sort of to keep you know, keep people interested. Yeah. Um, which, which incidentally, if you don't mind, I'm, I'm going to sort of switch gears for a second sure. and kind of talk too about, you know, why Harley did this, why they announced this. I mean, announcing models that are over a year off or a year off is a pretty bold strategy. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> I, I had mentioned this the other night in an interview I was doing. This, uh, this reeks of uh, the Ford Edsel. And it, it, oh. it, you know what I'm saying? Because this would be like, you know, hey, this car is going to fly or whatever. And it turns out to be, you know, four wheels on the steering wheel. And, you know, <laughs> they've announced this so far in advance that, you know, the expectations are screaming high. And so this better well, dazzle, you know. So now, now I'm going to make your show all sorts of ugly. Okay. I think I think part of part of the reason Harley did this is I mean they have been in a PR firestorm, you know. <laughs> no, you think early this summer? I mean, and I you know it's very it's very difficult to talk about that without getting into politics, um, you know. But I, I haven't even really gauged the temperature. I think on too many people who are you know who have an opinion on this, but it's. Uh, so far, it seems that a few people I have talked to opinions all over the map. Um, just as far as you know, what Harley is and should be doing, and you know, sort of how the president should and uh, how the president should be reacting, et cetera, et cetera. But um, regardless of where you fall politically, I think it's hard to 
it's hard to not at least in some form or fashion feel bad for Harley's PR people. <laughs> oh man, they are, they gotta be, they gotta be working overtime right now. <laughs> they're, they're, they're getting beat up. They're getting kicked. I'm sure they probably have secret cars that they have to drive home in. I'm not sure. But, um, speaking of all this new stuff now, where, where do you sit with this new Pan America? This thing's awesome. Um, I think this has, I, I'm super excited to ride this. It's funny. So Spurgeon, my colleague is kind of our adventure guy. He loves taking these big bikes off road and just beating the shit out of them. Yeah. And I always kind of laugh at him because I always want a dirt bike for that. I want a smaller bike with better power to weight ratio because I fall down a lot and it's easier to pick up a 215 pound bike than it is to pick up a 515 pound bike. Right. Um, you know, I think this bike maybe has a, l- a little tiny bit of an identity crisis. Um, How so? And I say that because I... So, I think there are some elements on the bike that say hardcore off-road, and I think there's some other elements on the bike that say maybe not. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I'm, okay. I'm serious. So, uh, well, so that's not too vague, but go ahead. <laughs> no, no, I mean, I can, we, can, we can dig right into that. So, I see these real knobby tires they put on this thing. Okay. Cool. I have no idea if there'll be a multiple tire option. I have no idea if these are tires are going to be on there, blah, 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 whatever. But these look like pretty aggressive tires. These would be probably not so hot on the street, um, but they'd be great off-road trail, stuff like that. I mean, right. they're the Anarchy Wild, the most aggressive version of the Anarchy tire. That's awesome. However, what I also see here, too, is a bike with a 17-inch rear wheel and a 19-inch front wheel. Now, generally speaking, a, uh, an adventure bike that's geared more towards street work will have a 17-19. A bike that's really intended to kind of have the shit beaten out of it off-road will have a 17-21. So mm-hmm. the fact there's really aggressive tires but not on a 21-inch wheel leaves me a little bit confused. Well, maybe they're um, doing kind of like the V-Strom thing where it can go either way, but it's not going to be great at either one. No doubt. That's, exa- that's exactly what they're doing. Um, I, think, I think currently in the adventure market, most of the manufacturers have decided to sort of sit on one side or the other and then go for it. Um, if we look at this skid plate, it's, you know, in, the, in the photo, it looks very wide. Um, just yeah. given the size of it, I can't help but think it's a fairly thin-gauge uh, metal, which isn't necessarily bad. I think, I think actually thin-gauge skid plates sort of have their they, – they have, they have a, a – it's just a question of how you want to deal with sort of, you know, off-road damage. Um, yeah. A thick skid plate, yes, will last many bumps and bruises, but it may also transfer lots of that load to the frame. Whereas something thin like this, you're only going to get one good bop out of it, but the, the, the pan itself is going to deform. It's not going to send that through to the, to the frame and bust up something more expensive. Right. So that's just, I mean, that's just a question of how you want to deal with that. But to me, that says, like, maybe not heavy-duty off-roading. But then when I look at these wheels, they're edge-spoked wheels. You yep. know, so you can run a tubeless tire on a spoked rim, which is awesome for off-road. Uh, so there, there's good things on this bike. I just don't know that, I, like, looking at it, I can't say, like, oh, yeah, they want you to go beat the tire out of that off-road. Or they want to say, like, no, nah, this is just supposed to look the part. I mean, there's, there's definite elements from both sides of things. Like, I look at the handguards, for instance, with the turn signal built into them. Yeah, you don't want that on a miniature bike. I don't know. In some respects, okay, so you've kept the turn signals off of stalks. So if you lay the bike over on its side, you're not going to ruin those. But by the same token, if you bash something coming in through a tree, like not only are you replacing a handguard, but you're also replacing a turn signal. Now too. Yeah. I, you know, I would kind of want to see it, obviously, a little you know, a little bit more before I, I make a prognostication yeah. there. But And again, um, this is just our initial view of this thing. One of the other things you might want to point so, out totally, also. I'm working off, I'm wor- yeah. yeah, I'm working off two pictures here. Of course. <laughs> and the thing is, is also we're looking at a very tall windshield, which is something typical of a more of a uh, dual sport 
Yeah, well, and, and I think also, I mean, a touring style bike too. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I was just, I just wrote an article today. It hasn't actually flown out yet, but I was kind of laughing when I was thinking about the names of these adventure bikes. Right, so you got the Honda Africa Twin, um, you got the Gucci Stelvio, you've got. Um, uh, let's see, the Yamaha Super Tenere. I mean, mm-hmm. these are all these, these super exotic locations. And I think about, like, look, man, I ride a lot of places, but I've been to any of those those joints. Like, it'd be nice, but like, yeah. I just haven't gotten there. And right. I think I'm probably, uh, you know, I'm probably very typical in that respect. So when I hear about something called the Pan America, I think to myself, well, that actually, that sounds pretty realistic. That's what most people are probably going to use this for. They're going to zip across America, and if they do get into, you know, some gnarly fire roads or something, this bike will probably be able to handle it, no sweat. Right. I don't know. I think like, just because it's an adventure bike doesn't mean you have to do a, you know, Ewan McGregor, Charlie Borman trip with it. You know, it, it, nope, it, not at all. It could, this could be a BDR bike easily. Well, and it's funny, with a lot of these adventure bikes, I mean, I look at, um, you know, the, the, uh, the riding position is awesome. It's like a touring bike with great ground clearance, and you kind of sit high up. It's it's almost like the American equivalent of an SUV. Because why people like SUVs, right? You sit up taller. You you got a good view of the road. Um, you know, many times they're all wheel drive. You feel like a little more stable. And I feel like the adventure bike, in many ways, is a lot like that. And just like you said, you you don't have to take one of these, uh, you know, way far off road. There's there's no rule that says you have to do that. Um, and if you want any more proof of that, look at um, Michelin with the Pilot Road Trail tire. Kind of, make, you know, it's such a good tire, but it is a it's it's a street only tire, despite the name being trail. Mm-hmm. It's a street only tire that comes in adventure bike sizes. It's for the rider who is more than happy to admit, I bought this bike, it is comfortable, and I do not take it off road. Uh, <laughs> kind of, we, kind we, of, but I mean, it's kind but, of a sad look, Yeah. There's a, but there's enough of those people out there who are being realistic about their riding that they're getting great tires. And Michelin found a whole niche that you know they can they can make these street tires for these bikes, which are which really are you know they're they're great on the street. They're they're phenomenal bikes. Yeah. Does this um, bike look heavy so to you? Man, that's that's such a loaded question. <laughs> um, well, there, and the reason I'm saying that is I, there are all sorts of times. It's funny, like when I'm when I'm even making my own parts, I will strive for visual lightness, or I do want a certain chunkiness. So, you know, like does it look heavy? I mean, this looks like a very solid, wide bike, but how heavy is it? I, I can't. I mean, I'm not. Course, I'm not a yeah. scale. You know, it's it's weird. You look at you look at like a modern Triumph, a, a, you know, a Bonneville, a T100, something like that. Those bikes don't look heavy, and they are huge. My good God, I don't know how they make them so heavy. Really. Uh, I wonder if they're. I wonder if they're filling the frames. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm sort of kidding, but they're they're very heavy bikes for their size. No kidding. Not and again, I'm not I'm not I'm not beating them up for having a heavy bike. I'm just saying what your eye tells you and what the scale tells you are not always the same thing. Yeah. You know, we were talking about this on the uh, podcast the other day about what kind of price point we think that this is going to come in at, and I keep saying like right around twenty one probably. Oof. Um. So, I don't know. I have my guesses. I mean, you know that Harley has to be competitive. Sure. Obviously, with other stuff in the market. But a couple things to consider. Um, and it's a bummer because I think there's a lot of people who don't place a premium on it. But if these bikes truly are being made here in America, uh, you know, that adds a cost. When you have somebody, you know, who who is potentially a union laborer, but somebody who who's getting, you know, benefits, pension, 401, whatever the hell it is, that all adds to the cost. Oh, and sure. Even though you don't see that in the showroom, it, it, it moves the price up. I mean, oh, yeah. the question becomes, are, are you okay having, a, a, you know, who's manufacturing your bike in another country? I mean, what kind of wage are they working for? 
that all has to be taken into account. That's something you can't see when you look at a motorcycle. Right. The other thing I think people are also going to have to remember too is that while we think of Harley in this country as you know sort of the big dog, you know they make a quarter million bikes. You know that's that's oh it's a bundle and they sell a lot of them here. The reality is that's nothing compared to some of the larger manufacturers. That's a that's a drop in Honda's bucket. So oh, take, yeah. take, you know we know Honda is the number one uh, seller in the world, and I think right now and, and I think now Royal Enfield has come in number two, I believe. Yeah, they're they're making a bundle of bikes, but when you consider those larger manufacturers, you have to think about economies of scale. So let's talk about something stupid. Let's talk about a switch. Honda is going to buy a lot more of that switch, whatever it is, than than Harley's going to. You know, if they're buying it from a manufacturer, well, if if, if there's a difference between selling thirty thousand of a switch and three hundred thousand of a switch, who are you going to give a better deal to if you're the switch manufacturer? This is true. Uh, so in that respect, I think even though it's hard to do for a lot of Americans, you almost need to think of Harley as kind of like a boutique manufacturer, almost really? like a Ducati. You know, like well, I mean, it's 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 not five guys you know cranking out bikes in a in a shop in a warehouse somewhere, but it's also I mean they're just not making as many bikes as some of the larger manufacturers. That's hard to understand in Harley in America because all you see are Harley Davidson. You can't swing yeah. a dead cat without seeing a Harley here. But if you move to another country, go to Europe, you know, like, I mean, the Harley-Davidson's are pretty rare over there. You don't, you don't see them everywhere. And I think maybe it helps give a little better idea of, you know, sort of what, what scale they're manufacturing at. Like, you go to any country in the world, you're going to see Honda motorcycles. That's just, this is true. That's, that's a given. Um, so, and, and I'm, I'm getting a real long-winded here, but, uh, you know, that kind of all kind of comes back to that that price thing. So I think Harley can sort of rely a little bit on, um, you know, having a little bit of cachet with their name and the um, you know the American made aspect of them coming through. But ultimately, I mean, they can't just they can't just ride that forever. And I think the fact they've you know entered these new segments sort of says that. Yeah. But um, I, I don't want to hazard guesses to price, but you know we'll we'll probably get closer. I would think as time comes on and we see a little bit more in terms of specs on the bike, right. blah blah blah. We'll be able to kind of nail that down a little bit more right. firmly, but time will tell. That's true. That uh the custom 1250. That that's the I think that's the one that least excites me. Same deal. I'm right yeah. there with you. And I think part of that is and it's and I, I don't think it's a bad looking bike. No. I know there's a lot of people who got who got super into that. The reason I think it doesn't excite me as much is because these guys are announcing they're entering all these new segments, right. and this is probably the bike that's most like what they're already making. Like, I don't think this is the same as a Fat Bob, of course, but it has many similar elements. Sure. It's certainly, um, I've heard comparisons to the V-Rod with this, and I don't see it. Um, more, if anything, it's got more of a, I guess only because of the fat tires, it reminds me of the 48. But it's, it, it's yeah, it's got the new engine, of course, the 1250, obviously, and it's got the higher uh, exhaust. But uh, I think we're... I don't even know where this where this is going to be. It's not a new Sportster, obviously. No, I, I don't think so. Well, I uh, I don't want to say that. I, it, I mean, something's going to have to happen with this with the Sportster. I, I, it's funny I made that prediction a little a little earlier, just due to you know emissions tightening up. I had, think I had said twenty was the last year we we're going to see for that. I think um, so. I think it has to be. I mean, when you look at Euro 5 emissions, I mean, the, the air-cooled sportsters we know it is just not long for this world. And that's, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, look, the, the world has moved on to liquid cooling. <laughs> like yeah, that's we, true. I mean, we are, we, are the, we are the last people in the world uh, riding any motorcycles of significant size who are still zipping around in air-cooled 
air-cooled bikes. I mean, obviously, there's some other exceptions in there, but um, liquid cooling is coming. That's just, that, that just is what it is. Yeah. I don't know. I would be surprised if they made this the replacement for the Sportster, but I, I could see the Sportster replacement you know, being uh, you know, something similar to this. Again, this is a modular engine family. Harley's not going to build 7,000 different engines. Like, they're just not going to do that. It doesn't no. make financial no. sense to do that. So, you know, moving to a modular water-cooled lineup sort of m- makes more sense than just about anything else. So while uh, the new Sportster might not, this might not be the replacement for the Sportster, it wouldn't shock me if there was a Sportster that rolled down the line somewhat soon that looked kind of like this. Yeah. All right. That's good, as long as they don't get rid of the Sportster, because the Sportster is like... I mean, it's a you think anybody who thinks Harley Davidson, the first word that might come to their mind is Sportster because it's you know it's 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 been in their family since 1957. I mean, come on. Yeah, it's one of the longest running nameplates in automotive or motorcycle history. Yeah, and you have to imagine too. Last year, um, you know they they chucked the Dyna name, and you know there were like some marketing people who just I mean they were just. Freaking yeah, out, like freaking out, which is yeah. which is totally fine. But you know, you know, at some point, like they're gonna they're gonna maybe pitch the idea of like getting rid of the sports name, and those same guys would be like, "No, you're not doing it to us again. Yeah. You cannot get rid of that." Well, you know, it would kind of be like Chevy saying, "All right, you know what? We're gonna stop making a Corvette." They'd right, be like, we'll come what? back to that a little bit. Yeah. Oh, right. we're gonna come back to that. Okay. <laughs> but this is, I mean, this is kind of a nice inflection point if you think about it. Uh, you know, because again, if we, if we're all into the the if we're all operating under the assumption the sports is going to receive a redesign that will be somewhat massive somewhat soon. Um, It's a nice opportunity to sort of bring the Sportster back to its roots. Like I think there's a lot of modern day Harley riders who don't realize that the Sportster did not used to be a wife bike. That was not what that bike was. No, not at all. Not at all. That was like the badass man's bike. Like that was the, you know, the super hairy chested, like, you know, that was the ripper. Um, you know, it's funny. That was that was the bike that Barger rode. I mean, that was that was the the badass bike. Yeah. Um, and it would be kind of nice to see the Sportster kind of maybe reclaim some of that former glory. Um, I don't think it's that many people nowadays who see a Sportster that's somewhat close to stock and are like, whoa, <laughs> you know, it's just it's not that intimidating a bike. It's not that the Sportster got worse. It's just that the rest of the world kind of. Got better. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> you know, I guess sports are yeah. soldiered yeah. along doing sportster stuff, and and everything else changed around it. Well, you know, they, with the uh, introduction of the of the roadster uh, a few years back in 2015, I think that made people realize that the sportster has a lot more room to play than in previous years. Because now you got people turning the sportsters into uh, scramblers. Which I think is going to be something we're going to be seeing from Harley Davidson uh, in the near future. I think you're going to see a scrambler, a factory produced scrambler version of a Sportster. So it's funny um, when you say scrambler. I mean that is a it's a, it's a, a a segment that I wonder if it's not almost a little bit uh, a little bit of a holdover. And when I say that, of course, I mean, you know, when scramblers are really ruling the roost for off-road stuff, you know, desert sled-based stuff, scramblers, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was really before a dedicated dirt bike became a thing. Right. You know, like before before, uh, before the benefits of low weight, I think, were something that people were really sort of capitalizing on. And um, scrambler, to me, feels like, it's, it's so funny, like I, I feel like when I was a little younger, there were just not many choices. 
<laughs> like, I mean, look at Harley. Look at Harley circa 1970. You yeah. had, you know, the Air Mo- you had, the, you had the, the little tiny stuff. You had a Sportster. Or you had a big twin. And the big twin was either going to, you know, be a skinny tire or a fat tire front. Those are your choices. That was it. Right. <laughs> like, that, was that, was, it. that was their line. And now I feel like there's so many, you know, parts, uh, you know, you, you can get so specific kind of chopping the market down. Um, in various segments, and there's so many things made for just so many people right now. I just don't know if the scrambler is gonna is, is what most people need. Like, I, I don't know if that's a, a a market where it's style driven, or if there are actually people out there, you know, praying for. Oh man, I need something to split the difference between a dirt bike and a street bike. I'm not sure. Well, yeah. Well, for example, maybe some people like the idea of the Pan America, but that's not how far they want to go with it. This is why a scrambler would be like, hey, there's my alternative. Now I can go ahead and do things like the Mid-Atlantic BDR or maybe something, maybe not so uh, dramatic, but they have the option without having to spend what you know $20,000 on this big adventure bike. So this is, I guess this is where maybe I part ways with a lot of people too, and I, I think some people agree with me 100%, and some people I think are, find me to be a, a little bit that shit but i you know if you put a set of fairly knobby tires on nearly anything you can do most of the stuff other than single track that you know a lot of people are using adventure bikes for exactly I mean, you can take some pretty you can take some pretty gnarly fire roads uh, if you have an electric light with good tires on it exactly um and i don't know if it's the best tool for the job but i like for me i i guess i stumble onto those type of things that are in between pavement and and honest to God, off-road, I'm trying to go ride my dirt bike. I stumble on them infrequently enough that I, I personally don't think I would find a use for a bike that was tailored for that stuff. But, you know, I'm also not the entire market. I, I understand. Know, perhaps there are people who, li- you know, who live in those areas, who live in areas where that's that's all they're riding. You know, maybe that's, maybe that's, maybe there's a, a sizable chunk of people looking for that. Well, I was talking to a guy the other day. He, uh, he had a Bonneville. Uh, T120, he threw some knobbies on it and made a couple sure. of the modifications, and he's doing off-road stuff. Well, but if you think about it, I mean, that's all the that's all the original scrambles were. Look at, like, a huh. Honda CL350. They had shorter gears. Uh, you know, the, 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 the rear sprocket was a little different. Uh, high pipes and and semi-knobby tires. Like, that was it. Like, yeah. Other than that, it was the same as the CB. It was the same as the street-going model. But you can do anything with it. You know, it's a, you're not restricted just because it's got street tires on it. You know, you definitely, regardless of what uh, model motorcycle we're talking about, you're not restricted to the road. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, I agree with you there. You can, you can get farther off-road, and the knobbier a tire you're willing to buy or that will fit on your machine, usually the gnarlier terrain you can deal with, I think. I suppose. Uh, so the live wire, the electric bike, where, where is your thoughts on that? Uh, well, I have, so I have a few of them. Um, it's, it's kind of funny. So I sort of like almost accidentally became the electric bike guy here at Rezilla, which is kind of <laughs> odd considering how much I love burning dead dinosaurs. Um, I've just had a lot of time on them. I, I had reviewed the Victory Impulse when we had that bike. Um, I spent time on the on a, a Zero. Um, recently, I had a chance to spend a little time on an Alto, which was a wild machine. So I actually have like a fair amount of electric bike experience at this point. Um, for me, the electric bike, you know, prior to hearing about these models, I thought the electric bike was actually Harley's sort of great white hope. And and the reason I say that is that it's a it was a totally new market or, or new enough that, you know this technology is nascent enough that 
Harley really had the option to get out in front and sort of take over. And I think that this bike is different enough from the other things they produce that, you know, you very well could have seen two completely different people rubbing elbows in the dealership. Yeah. Um, I, you know, on a, on a logistical level, I don't see electric motorcycles necessarily being the wave of the future until battery technology changes. Right. Exactly. Um, and, they need to, they, you know, they need to either be faster charging or hold more juice, and they really need to be made of like materials that are not so precious. I mean, there's not enough lithium in the world to make all the batteries we would need if everything got switched over to like. Well, maybe also something that's not so volatile either. Right. Um, now, having said that, for some very specific applications, uh, you know, electric bikes make a bunch of sense. So it's funny we had the Zero DSR. And I live really far, and I, I had said this to me is the perfect bike for commuting. Not necessarily that flavor of it, but an electric motorcycle. Right. Simply because when you, if you think about it, if you want to make the make the thing most useful, you need to extend the range. Well, how do you extend the range? Take a nice long break so you can charge it somewhere. Well, it turns out most people do that at work. They take a, a ride, <laughs> and then they have a good eight hours where they can charge a thing up, and then they got to ride back home. Yeah. And that was working out beautifully for me. And I, you know, I kind of assembled a spreadsheet based on how, how much it was costing me to commute. And I mean, this thing was just the farther your commute is without, you know, assuming you can make it on one charge, the faster this bike will pay for itself. Oh, um, sure. you know, oh, yeah. in terms of, I mean, just in terms of not only, not only, you know, so firstly I'm bumming half my power off Revzilla. That's great. So there's the half that I'm not paying for. Electricity is just vastly cheaper than gasoline. That's, that's great. And then also, I think a lot of things, uh, one of the things I think a lot of people forget is that, like, the, the maintenance is so vastly reduced on an electric motorcycle that, it, I mean, there's real savings there, especially if you're bringing your bike to a shop. So um, I thought that was pretty cool. Now, depending on what Harley is sort of doing with this electric bike, what they're optimizing for, um, I think they could have a really interesting motorcycle on their hands. Yeah. I think that, you know, it's funny, one of the things, and again, I never thought I'd say this, but one of the things I think I'd really like to own, if, uh, you know, assuming my wallet was unlimited of unlimited size, I would love to have an electric dirt bike. Uh, first, I'm not going to say I ride trails illegally, but uh, I ride trails illegally. It's a lot easier to sneak onto somebody's property, whether that's privately owned or, or federal or state owned. It's a lot easier to do that on a bike that doesn't make any noise. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, it's funny, you, you, we can kind of wheel this back around to um, Harley and Davidson. Do you know why they, why they built their first motorcycle? Uh, no, you're going to tell me. I am going to tell you. Supposedly, they built that first bike because they wanted to get back into their favorite fishing holes and hunting spots. And it's kind of funny. So, uh, you know, theoretically, these these outdoorsmen made this thing so they could just get back and get into the, you know, just sort of get into nature and get the hell away from everything. And it's funny because when I'm riding a dirt bike, when I'm riding trails, personally, that's one of the things I love is just sort of like turn the bike off. You're sitting there. Nobody is around. You know, pull a beer out of your pack and crunch down a beer and then, you know, kind of pack it out and get out of there. It's really nice just sitting in the woods when, you know, there's nobody around, it's quiet, and on an electric bike, you don't disturb everything coming in like you would on a, you know, a two-smoker or a, or a big old four-stroke. Instead, you kind of just creep in, you know, just back off the throttle, and the only noise you're making is the crunch of the tires over the leaves, you know, it's yeah. it's kind of cool. So, you know, I, I think there's definitely application for this stuff, um, well, with, you know, where uh, Harley goes, but I think. One of the concepts that they've thrown out there looks very much like one of Alta's bikes. 
uh, seeing how Harley is partnered with these guys now. So I guess we can expect something of that nature. Uh, yeah, well, so, so like when I looked at, uh, I'm just looking at these sketches right now. I see the, the big picture here looks like, it looks to me very much kind of flat track inspired. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I see it looks like a pair of same size wheels. And then obviously they've got, you know, the, the body work that really heavily resembles a flat track bike. I see something, uh, next to that, that looks almost like, it's funny. One of the guys just showed me today and I forget the name of the company. It's going to, it's going to, it's going to bother me, but it, it was this sort of mountain bike, dirt bike hybrid. It looked like a very beefy mountain bike and had a little 125 four-stroke in it. I was like, man, this thing looks awesome. It looked <laughs> yeah. like a, a trials bike with a better seat. And that's sort of like that. Uh, that's sort of what I'm seeing there. I'm not sure if that's meant to be like sort of an urban runaround or if instead it's supposed to be sort of a deep off-road trial-esque machine. Um, yeah. And then obviously that other one they have there with the little tiny wheels, that to me says that should be outfitted with, you know, as a, as a sort of a working uh, motorcycle, like you know, it'll have a sidecar or a you know a box or something on it. Yeah, a kids thing or something like that. Yeah, <clears throat> you know, I have I have something to say about uh, which I will spare you uh, about electric bicycles. I that, that kind of bothers. Oh me. no, let's he- let's hear it. Go for it. Uh, well, the that that in in this this falls in the same line with uh, mountain bikes going from the twenty six inch wheel to the. 27.5 and then of course the 29 inch wheel and the, mm-hmm. what I kept hearing all the times well it makes it easier well the purpose of mountain biking is not for it to be easier but for you to experience what you're doing if it's if it's <laughs> if it's easier then why you're doing it and the idea of making a bicycle now I can understand that there are people with physical limitations who possibly would like to get back on a bicycle but don't have the ability to pedal so this would suit them perfectly but any normal person capable of turning pedals has no business getting on one of these things that's my that's my getting on, getting on an electric bike an electric bicycle <laughs> that's just okay. that just that's my just as my personal irritant of mine that's all uh i mean i think so and i'm going to i'm going to be pedantic here, but I think you could apply that same philosophy to a freewheel. Yeah. Do you have a freewheel on your bike? Of course. Yeah. You coast? Um. How lazy of you. <laughs> Bicycles are meant for those who are supposed to pedal all the time. Uh, I like I get, that's for I get a track you, I get for a track you, guy. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I get yeah, I get I get we I like I get we I you know, it's funny, I used to ride with one of the guys who uh, I worked at a bike shop a long, long time ago. One of the guys I used to ride with, the guy on the shop who rode a fixie twenty niner uh, off road. He was man, oh he was gnarly. God. It was hard to keep up with him. But uh, and the reason I'm the reason I'm saying that is not obviously for any other reason other than look, man, if that gets somebody into bicycling, motorcycling, exactly. whatever. Exactly. Well, that's be, just that you're right. Great. Then then do it. Like I I I've, one of the things I tire of a little bit, and it's it's funny because this is like what keeps me in a job. But there are a lot of people who like cutting down what other people are doing. And look, man, there's a million things in motorcycling that I don't really dig myself. Right. But, but doing it doesn't it. matter. Like if. Just because, well, just because you're enjoying motorcycling differently than I enjoy motorcycling doesn't mean you're wrong or you should feel bad or I should tell you how much you suck. <laughs> that's I, not, dude. That's I, not necessary at all. I hear plenty of it in in this business uh, podcast. I hear plenty of the. There's a lot of hate running around between brands. I get, I I hear it. I get it all the time, and it's just, it's not necessary because, like you said, what you ride might not be my thing, or what I ride might not be your thing. But the point is, we're riding. So, what difference does it make? Um, you know, like I'll even take that one step further. I mean, I don't even care if somebody doesn't ride. <laughs> like I know that sounds dumb, but like no I like I like mechanical assholes of all flavors. There you um, go. Uh, yeah, like I I 
love a good diesel truck. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of sand rails. There are a number of things that are not motorcycles that I think are awesome. Um, we've been, I don't know if you, I don't know if you keep up with this at all, but like lately I've, I, we're, we're airing some episodes. I built a, uh, a hot rod mini bike not too long ago. Oh, I really built a crazy race motor and shoved it inside of a mini bike. It is a very stupid project for a grown man. It's a very <laughs> stupid project for anyone, but it's a very stupid project for a grown man, especially. And there's no real reason to do that. Like, I don't need a very fast mini bike. That's again, just, just untold amounts of stupidity, but it's fun. Like it's, it's, it's motorized. It's fun. It's cool. I enjoy it. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I am just, I'm pro fun. <laughs> there you go. Now you think <laughs> so the, if you uh, want to ride an electric bicycle, I'm, I'm all for it. Oh, well, hey, you know, it's that's cool. Like I said, if, if, if it gets somebody on two wheels and, and to get out there and enjoy themselves and have fun, then by all means, go right ahead. Uh, the yeah, live wire, does that look like a lot of fun to you? It does look like a lot of fun to me. I, um, you know, it's funny, uh, from the, the, I'm going to say the, uh, I'm going to say the limited amount of exposure I've had to electric bikes. I'm not really saying that cause I think relative to many riders, I have way more experience than, um, than most people do just, just by, by virtue of this job, giving me access to several different manufacturers products. But my, when I say limited, I just mean that the, the, you know, the, products themselves there's not there's not like there's you know a hundred different models of electric bike to oh, choose from no, but no, yeah. even riding the few i have um just the market differences between how they're built and kind of their personality is staggering to me i mean you, it seems like you can make an electric motorcycle with just the same range of characteristics and personality that a gas motor has right um so i'm in, instantly interested in riding this just did, to see what it's like. Did you ride the original Livewire when it came out a few years ago? I did not, actually. We had, uh, so Sean McDonald used to write for us, and I believe Sean was actually the fellow who rode that bike uh, for us. Mm-hmm. Wow. I know, it looks like, it, I, I, of course, it's got that uh, sport bike kind of street fighter kind of look to it. It doesn't appeal to me. I'd be very curious to try it, though. Definitely be curious to try it. Sure, this bike. yeah. Definitely. I think we're looking at. Yeah, I don't know that. I, I think the saleability of this bike, it, it's going to be the price point. That's where that's where it's going to matter the most. Well, I think that's. I mean, that's the the, the questions everybody has in these, right? Is how far, how much, and uh, you know, I think those are those are sort of on on the top of everybody's mind. How fast, how far, how much? What's the uh, and what's the what's the cutoff on all those things? How far, how long? Well, I mean, it de- it depends. Like, what? Yeah, I mean, you're. Well, in your opinion, how what do you fast- think? Well, I mean, how? But I mean, how how fast you're going to go is in. in no, no, no. I'm talking about it, how fast it charges. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Um, Charge well, time. How much and, you want to stri- and range. That's what we're talking. Depends how much. Uh, well, when I said how fast, I was actually thinking more along the lines of Sweet. how fast does this motorcycle go? Um, and I, I'm, yeah. well, I'm, I'm mentioning this because there are, there are electric vehicles. There's lots of electric vehicles. Tesla is a good example. Like I know I've, I've never spent time in one, but I'm well aware that those things are crazy off the line, but I think they top out like 90 or hundred miles an hour. I mean, you, you know, if a, if a comparable gas, you know, if you, if you rode a comparable gas machine off the line, you would never guess that it gave up, you know, ran out of steam so quickly. Yeah. Um, and I'm just bringing that up because I think that that's, you know, for some people, that's a sort of a question. Um, you know, as far as how how long this is going to take to charge, how much power makes, blah, 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 blah. I mean, A, I'm not very well versed in this stuff, so I wouldn't want to hazard a guess. And B, I mean, they're working with Alta. 
I can't imagine that they're just going to sling some crap out there and hope that it sticks. I mean, I think that I wouldn't be surprised at all to find out that this was sort of a class leader, um, if at all possible. So, uh, you know, just, just looking at the, at the size of the, of the drivetrain and battery unit in here, I can't help but think that this is probably going to be at least somewhat impressive. Yeah, I mean, it, it's you know the original version came out. It had a fifty-eight mile range, and it what took like eight hours to charge or something like that. So that sounds that sounds about right, though. That doesn't sound way far off. Yeah, I, I, the fifty-eight mile range that I do know, but I think the charge time it was like six or eight hours or something like that. But this, you know, battery technology is coming a long way since they first introduced the live wire and. You know, you know, mm-hmm. I know that zero is charging very fast these days. Still not. Well, remember too that there's another way to solve that problem too, and it doesn't have to do with fast charging. It has to do with hot swappable batteries. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, and and I don't know that's where Harley's going. I would actually bet that they're probably not. No. But I mean, that is a way to contend with that. Like, if you're willing to throw some money at the infrastructure. You know, hell, give the batteries take as long as they need to charge, well, I mean, sure. and you, you could actually you could actually argue that's probably a better way to do things, simply because by charging the batteries more slowly, you know, you're not shocking them as much, so the batteries should have a longer life. I mean, the faster you charge and discharge a battery, the the you know the shorter its life man. Sure. I just wonder stuff. if Harley Davidson is prepared with some sort of infrastructure for this, or are they relying on the existing infrastructure of other manufacturers? Well, when you say when you say infrastructure, you're talking charging, 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 st- charging, and charging stations. I doubt that this is going to be a one ten plug in. I think you're. I think you're going to see. I mean, when you when you look at what other manufacturers have done, I mean, I think you're going to find. Um, you know, there's a couple different levels of charger. I think Harley's probably going to you know include something to to work with just your regular 120 volt home outlet and then they'll pro- you know whether they include it it'll be extra there's probably going to be some other way to charge them more quickly oh, all right. uh, I, I, I mean I, that, that's how that's how other manufacturers are doing it i can't see how they would do it differently well you're the uh, man with the knowledge i think you would might be on the spot with that uh, well yeah i don't i mean i don't know about the man with the knowledge that sounds, that sounds <laughs> way way loftier than where i actually am in real life but I've seen um, some of your reviews, man. I've seen some of your reviews. I told you. I told you earlier. I'm just guessing. I've just been on a great string of okay guesses. <laughs> well, I moving make this shit up as I go. That's all right. So, uh, in 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 to sum up, so you're pretty excited about the new stuff. I'm really excited about it. I'm excited about it really for two reasons. Firstly, this is the stuff that excites me personally. I, look, man, I love Harley Davidsons. I have a, I have a shitload of them in the garage. Like I love riding them, but man, that's not where motorcycling ends for me. Right. I mean, if you want to, if you want to hit the track or you want to hit the dirt or you know, there's a million other things you can do, but you're not going to do it on a Harley Davidson. Or if you do do it on a Harley Davidson, you're not going to do it nearly as quickly as you could on something else. You're not going to do and it on the a stock Harley Davidson either. Yeah, the fact that they're expanding into other stuff that I love is just right. personally to me awesome. From a, from a business perspective i'm also quite excited for them um simply because they're you know for a long time i think there have been people who said well these guys just don't make a you know they don't make a real bike and if that's the biggest opposition somebody has to buying a harley davidson and they make a competitive bike in a, in a field that in, you know in a segment that interests someone i mean to me that's the surefire route to pick up another customer as long as that customer is willing to you know sort of open their wallet and open their mind yeah. Um, and, and and again, I'm, without without getting too awful political, I look at 
you know, the, the, the tariff situation hardly finds themselves in right now. Mm-hmm. The cost of the cost of the goods they need uh, have have gotten expensive due to, due to tariffs imposed on aluminum and steel. Um, and simultaneously, the 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 cost of acquisition of their outgoing product that they're exporting has gone sky high because sure. that that product is you know is also receiving a tariff. So kind of getting a tariff on two ends. And then, you know, their response is, okay, well, then we're going to have to move some production of some motorcycles to these places to avoid at least one, you know, at least some of these tariffs. Which I, I completely understand. I, I think, and it's a, it's a good business sense. Anybody would do the same thing. And, they got, you know, HD is not the only one. They have the same business. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the they're not the only company. Business. Right. They're not the only they're company that's doing it. Right. They, you know, so. Um, now, a quick, quick question for you. Uh, yeah. In speaking of terms of two wheels. Are you a Harley guy or are you a motorcycle guy? I'm a motorcycle guy. Okay. No questions asked. It was funny when I started at uh, Revzilla, they had asked. They were they were looking for somebody who knew a lot about Harley Davidson, and they were like kind of, you know, they were really emphasizing that. And I said, guys, like I do know an awful lot about Harley Davidson, but like I ride a lot of other shit, and I repair a lot of other things, and I just love motorcycles. I do really love Harley. They hold a special place in my heart. I have more of those in the garage than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um. But to say that I was a Harley only guy, like if, if you told me I could only own Harleys from now until the time I died, I'd cry. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I love them. I, lo- I mean, I, I love the machines, um, partially because, you know, partially because of, uh, of of sort of how important they were in American motorcycling. Partly because I, I mean, I am a red blooded American man. Like, I, of course, I ride a Harley Davidson. What else? What the <laughs> How could I not own one of those? But I mean, you know, it's it, it's. If you want to, uh, you know, if you want to rip a wheelie off road, or you want to, you know, you really want to whack somebody's ass on a on a nice, you know, twisty road, a Harley Davidson might not be the best weapon, depending on what it is that you have and what you're up against. Right. So yeah, I would I would say motorcycle guy. Great. Um, okay. Well, one more. Okay, I guess a couple more questions, but uh, you know what I think is one of the things that you do that I really, really, really appreciate is your fake product reviews. Oh, <laughs> I love. You know, we've we've we haven't done those for a long time. We kind of did like a batch of those uh, a little earlier on, and I think I, pr- I I I would imagine I probably pissed off some of our suppliers. <laughs> really? <laughs> uh, I think some of them aren't as good at taking a joke as I am at making them. <laughs> oh God, I think that's fan- they're I think they're fantastic. I mean, you guys. Should, we've you talked. Should- to, we've talked about bringing them back. It's the problem is there's so many things we want to do. And yeah. that, like, always, that one's so easy to sideline and be like, oh, yeah, yeah we'll get to that next time. Um, <laughs> they they are really fun. And I think it's funny, like, the better, um, you know, some of, I want to say, I want to say better, the, the, I think the more playful or more savvy manufacturers saw what we were doing and they were totally good with it. Yeah. I was laughing because um, I had recently written, I say recently, maybe a, maybe a year ago, an article kind of calling out speed and strength because they made these, these motorcycle yoga pants that, like didn't make any sense like just didn't make any sense like, they were in no way a safety yoga. item oh yeah there's a, yeah so for like when we wrote the article i i actually put them on i mean they're they're a product not geared towards you know me but i put a set of these on and did my you know did my best tree pose for the article and um you know they were just absurd and I said something like, what's next? A Kevlar pajama getup? And it was funny because Speed and Strength responded with like their blueprint drawn up for their Speed and Strength Kevlar pajama getup. And I was oh, like, no okay, way. this See, that's is great. hilarious. Yeah, they had like one of their graphic design guys, I guess, like put together, you know, a whole like <laughs> top secret blueprint on this. And it was hilarious. Oh, that's fantastic. And I just thought like, yeah, I just thought kudos to you guys for taking a joke. Like, 
I mean, I'm making fun of one of your products that probably was not the core or staple of your line, and you guys were able to laugh at it and and you know and and sort of just fire back with a with a return joke, and it was it was hilarious. Well, like it was great. great. I did. Yeah. I mean, it's good when when companies have a sense of humor about what they do. They know it's not serious. Uh, you've heard of Janus motorcycles? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, when I first did a review of one of their motorcycles, we were talking about it, and my brother, my co-host, didn't see that it was Janus. He just he didn't see the J. So he, oh no, yeah. So we started calling it Anus Motorcycle, licorice flavored motorcycles. You know? And uh, <laughs> and it's funny because when I told them about it, because I always uh, when I, whenever we talk about a bike, I always like to inform the manufacturer ahead of time. So we're going to be talking about your bikes on the show, and they actually got a kick out of it. They thought it was kind of funny. So they didn't offer me a bike anytime soon, but that's okay. <laughs> but they have a sense of humor about it. But that's good. Well, and it, 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 you know, it's funny. I think it's like especially important um, in Harley land. There's yeah. a lot of Harley riders who take themselves really seriously. Uh, you know, the the look. I'm I'm not going to sit here and like pick apart somebody's bike, but like the skulls, the death, the daggers, like. Not me. I'm coming close enough to dying on a motorcycle. I don't yeah. need to adorn my bikes in those things. Like I just, I don't need that. Yeah, that's, that's um, a, it's a personal thing. Well, but I like, I got long hair. I got you know shit in my face. I got earrings and tattoos. Like I think I probably come across as like not the most approachable guy on the planet. And um, you know, like I don't take myself seriously. I don't take anything seriously. Right. <laughs> I take nothing at all seriously. It seems like. Um, you know, and like there, sh- everything should be a joke. Like I, I just feel like everything should be a joke. Like yeah, lighten people up, just take know? themselves very seriously, right? Like I'm not. I'd like I'm, I, as cool as I feel on a chopper for four seconds of summer when I'm not pushing it. Um, my chopper doesn't make me tough. No, <laughs> like, of course not. Does it? It just Unless doesn't. It- like if you want to, if you want to make sure that you're not tough. In fact, push your chopper for a few miles along the side of the road, then see how badass you feel. No, what you need to, what you need to do is a 21 days under the sun uh, chopper ride. Oh my god, man! I lambasted that movie when it came out. So I think it was actually the same article. I, I as the as the yoga pants. I like. I completely lambasted that movie. Ah, <laughs> uh, guys. Guys, 21 days to go check out a motorcycle show? That's called a really kick-ass vacation. Like, most of the people I know can't take 21 days to go go across the country. Man, I would love to go to Born Free. It's not fucking happening for me anytime soon. Like, I do not have that kind of time off. (laughs) Um... And like it was just very funny, like and you know I just remember laughing at some point. I think there was you know the the announcer said something to the effect of like, you know, and if they didn't get there on time, it meant missing out. Missing out on what the Brooklyn Invitational? They didn't get to see their the show. Who cares? <laughs> like, you still got to go on a twenty one day motorcycle exactly. ride across the country, which is awesome. Oh my god! Um, it was just very you know like they I think they they nailed down like every chopper cliche in there. You know the guy with like the uh, you know they had some sort of amphetamines or something. The guy was supposed to be on, I guess, and they're, you know, the guy who who needed a shower, they spray him off in a car wash. Look, man, like I don't care how tough you are, like why don't you just shower when you check into the hotel? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, oh yeah, and if you're not checking into the hotel, okay, well just like stay dry and dirty for one more day, and then like wait until you, uh, you know, get gas station bathroom. Like there, they, there's something better than a car wash. This was kind of my point. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good um, movie, though. It was just like, yeah, like you know, right? Like the whole thing just seemed like just vaguely ridiculous you know like there was the whole like the whole drug scene too like it seemed like 
seems like somebody was like, well, this thing needs some sort of a, you got to have some sort of a uh, hallucinogenic scene in here. So put that in. <laughs> I mean, no, no, we're wrong with the bikes. Yeah, the bikes were cool. And, like the trip seemed like a cool idea, but it just like it made it, it made everything so serious. Like yeah. the whole time, I don't know, like if I was in that movie, the whole time I would just be bothering everyone on like when we were going to go get ice cream. Like <laughs> the whole, that would be my whole part in the film. Of course. Would have just been All like, this hey, guy guys, wants his ice cream. Is, man. Is, yeah, well, and I, yeah, I would do something that nobody else was supposed to do too. I'd like keep pulling out my phone. I'd be like, guys, Google says that there's sweet ice cream like 4.6 miles from here. <laughs> you need <laughs> to do a movie. rad ice cream? <laughs> you need to do your own Lemmy movie. That's what we need. Uh, I don't know that it would be that exciting. Oh, it probably would be. You know, if you got a sense of humor, you can let it fly. So any cool upcoming bike reviews or articles or videos we should be expecting from you? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, so the we are releasing more of the mini bike. That's still happening. We're in the middle of that. Um, I have spent an obscene amount of time on a Honda Africa Twin. So I've been writing quite a bit about that. Um I think that's all that's nailed down and definite for the time being. Uh, but you know, we're we're kind of trying to trying to roll out some interesting stuff. We got some two minute lessons coming out. We've been doing a lot of those recently. Um, we had a really interesting one. I don't know, maybe maybe somebody, maybe somebody you'll uh, you know one of your audience will find interesting. Kind of how the Harley engines got their names over the years. I think oh, that was, we cool. tried to we tried to yeah we tried to in two minutes sort of hit that. And I think for people who don't know how they got their names, it's like a very fast, easy crash course. Cool. But yeah, a couple more of those coming out. I mean, you know, we're trying to trying to sort of keep things going, keep it fresh. Not right, cool. How can people uh, check you out uh, and learn more about what you're doing and some of your articles and stuff? You can, of course, swing by RevZilla.com. You can check us out on YouTube, uh, youtube.com backslash RevZilla. Or, of course, you can always, if you want to check out some articles, you can always swing by uh, RevZilla. That's RevZilla.com backslash common dash tread. Or you can just sort of poke around the site and you'll probably find it. But, uh, you know, there's all manner, of, all manner of ways to get in touch with us. Okay. Any uh, last things you want to say to our listening audience before I kick you off my phone? No, not at all. Do wheelies and get ice cream. Uh, do wheelies and get ice cream. Okay, I like that. That's good. All right, <laughs> don't go away. I want to talk to you after we, we, we're done, but uh, I want to thank you very much for joining me here on the Motorcycle Men podcast. Uh, it's always a pleasure to read what you do and see your videos, and I always walk away with a smile. Thank you so much for having me, sir. Thank you. All right, you take care of yourself. Catch you, buddy. Right, bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to this episode 161 with my guest Lemmy from RevZilla's Common Tread and some RevZilla's videos. So go over to RevZilla.com and search for Lemmy to learn more about him and visually consume as much of Lemmy's literary prose that you can handle in one sitting. Links to the website will be on the Motorcycle Men website as well as in the show notes. So don't forget to check out our fellow podcasters and YouTubers and vloggers and bloggers and everybody else that's out there that has anything to do with motorcycles, all of these podcasts and many more out there do great things to promote and encourage our sport and passion. So from Timbuktu, Chris the Joker, Justin Shoes, and me, Ted Wrongway, your host, thanks for listening to the Motorcycle Men Podcast, where we say stupid crap so you don't have to. Enjoy your ride, kids. <laughs>